you brought your Bibles this morning, please turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28, and we want to look at a familiar passage in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28, and we'll look at verse 19 and 20. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And then we'll look at some other chapters uh, in Matthew, and then... um, Maybe turn over to the book of Luke. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. I want to share with you a sermon just about the Great Commission, what the Great Commission involves. And uh, I want us to get into the subject of discipleship, but just not discipleship, but transformational discipleship. read a book some time ago that really spoke to my heart about transformation, transformational discipleship. Trans, transformational disciples bring about transformational churches. And I was looking over our church row, and I was praying um, in regards to our inactive members and our non-resident members. And so uh, the Lord spoke to my heart that we need to focus on the Great Commission and what the Great Commission is all about and how it affects, should affect all of us. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things which are whatever or whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you all the way, even to the end of the world. As you read Matthew 28, 19 through 20, you'll notice that that is what we've referred to as the Great Commission. And the Great Commission really is, in, is twofold. There's a part A, and there's a part B. Part A is evangelism. And then part B is transformational discipleship. I'm going to bring that out a little clearer in just a few minutes. But part A of the Great Commission we're very familiar with is that the Christian, you and I, we're to be intentional in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. We're to be intentional. We, we need to make that a point every day. I pray every day, Lord, put someone in my path that I can share the gospel with that I can witness to. And he does. When I pray that from a sincere heart, he puts someone in my path every day that I pray that prayer. And our express purpose as a Christian, well, let me say our express purpose as a church and individual members of the body of Christ is to be personally involved on a daily basis in soul winning. We need to be personally involved, not just occasionally, but on a daily basis. And we, as we're being involved, we must point out to the person, first of all, man's sinful condition. The Bible teaches us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then we point out to the individual, man's eternal destiny without Christ. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. 
And then we point out God's provision for man in Christ. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, the only one of His kind. And whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we point out to the person that Christ came from heaven, the incarnate birth of Christ. John 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God. And then we point out that Christ died on the cross for our sins. And then we point out to the individual that Christ was buried and that He was raised from the dead. And in Him, in Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins. And all who will turn from their sins, place their faith and trust in Him, all who would turn from their sins, all who would repent, Acts 3.19, Repent ye therefore and be converted. Luke 13.3, Ye shall likewise perish unless you repent. We need to point out to the individual that he, Jesus, will forgive them their sins and save them. For he says, For all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, verse 16. So that's the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. And so the Great Commission commands us to evangelize, commands us to share the gospel. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That's the A part. That's evangelism. But notice verse 20. Verse 20, you have the Great Commission commands us to be transformational disciples teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Now, to be a transformational disciple, uh, the Word commands us to be that, but not all, are, not all disciples are transformational. Now, I use the word transformational because not all discipleship is transformational. Now, let me explain. Every person who's ever lived is a disciple. Uh, They're a pupil. They're a learner. Uh, They're an apprentice. Richard Whitten is a machinist, but he was an apprentice before he got to the level that he is now. Mike Norton worked for AAA Cooper. He was a learner. He was an apprentice before he got to the position as he is now, perhaps still learning. Terry Wilburn was... A disciple. He was a learner. He was a student. He was an apprentice. So you can go on and on and on. Everyone everywhere is a disciple of someone. But notice what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. If you will, turn to Luke chapter 6. Hope you brought your Bibles. Luke 6, verse 39. He spake a parable. Luke 6, 39. He spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Jesus said 
And when he came into when he came to earth and as he grew, he, he lived in a, a, a Jewish society. And there were a lot of Jewish leaders at that time who were trying to lead people away from God. And Jesus said, be careful who you follow. Be careful who is your leader. You're the disciple. Be careful of the one that you're following. Jesus said, be careful who you follow. If you follow the wrong leader they will lead you into a pit. And so we're commanded to evangelize and we're commanded to be a transformational disciple, but not all discipleship is transformational and discipleship apart from Jesus is not transformational. Discipleship apart from Jesus may bring you uh, changes in your life or it may improve your behavior or it may... uh, it may make you more skilled at whatever you're doing, but there, there are so many leaders today who have impacted so many by knowledge and skills, but their hearts of their learners were never changed. There's only one person who brings transformation to his disciples, who changes their lives completely. Terry just sang about, I've been changed. Only one person that brings transformation to his disciples, and that's Jesus Christ. Not all discipleship is transformational. Discipleship apart from Jesus is not transformational. And transformational disciples, or transformational discipleship, is more than informational. Transformational is more than informational. Many churches today uh, equate discipleship with knowledge. However, the goal of discipleship, the essence of discipleship, is transformational. It's not informational. Now, look at Matthew 28 again and notice what he says very carefully. Read it. Oftentimes we read the scripture and we're so familiar we miss the teaching. Look, if you will, Matthew 28. A part, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe, verse 20, all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Notice what he said. Notice what he did not say. He did not say, teach them to observe everything I command. Now, what do you notice? He didn't ask us to teach them everything he commanded. He asked us to teach them what? To obey everything that he commanded. Teach them to observe. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded. And so the end result of transformational discipleship is not merely the knowledge of all that Jesus commanded, but it's the obedience to all that Jesus has commanded. It's not teaching everybody everything about what Jesus commanded, but it's teaching them to observe and to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. Now let me give you an example of someone who had a lot of knowledge about Jesus, but he wasn't a transformational disciple. And that was Judas. Judas. He was, he was the disciple 
a disciple without transformation. Nothing had happened inside him. He, he was filled with information about Jesus. Think of that. He had all, he was filled with all this information, but he never was transformed. Look at Matthew chapter 26, back chapter 2. As we look at Judas, verse 20. Verse 20, Matthew 26. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and they began every one of them to say unto him, Notice, Lord, is it I? Some translations have it, Master, is it I? One has Rabbi. Or, I'm sorry, Lord, is it I? But notice verse 23, and he, he answered and, and said, He that dippeth with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth, as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. If he'd been good for that man, if he'd not been born, then, Jesus, then Judas, which betrayed him, answered. Now the disciple says, Lord, is it I? But, but Judas said, Master, is it I? Or, Rabbi, is it I? And Jesus said, Thou hast said. He said, the disciple says, Lord, is it I? You see, the other disciples had surrendered to Jesus as Lord. As Kyros, one who had all power and authority and control. They looked to Him as Lord. They saw Jesus as Lord. Judas saw Jesus nothing more as a teacher, as master, as rabbi. Now with that in mind, notice what Jesus said. He says, well, you have said. Thou hast said, verse 25. You see, Judas had never surrendered his will to Jesus. He'd never looked on Jesus as Lord. Judas was informed with all the knowledge about Jesus, but he was not transformed. Now notice a dreadful lesson that we learn here. Judas learned that knowledge alone does not result in true discipleship. It's not about knowing more. It's not about knowing all the commands of Jesus, but it's about obeying all the commands of Jesus. Now, Judas learned from the teachings of Jesus, but Judas never allowed Jesus' teaching to transform him. Now, Jesus uh, was willing to forgive Judas but he refused to accept him as the Lord of his life. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God is raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Confessing what? Confessing that Jesus Christ is my Lord. Now listen, tonight we're going to be celebrating 
an end to a year of discipleship training. We've learned about the grace of God. We've learned about authentic, being authentic in our Christian life, not being a hypocrite, learning how to be real in our Christian life. We've learned about God's uh, requirement. Uh, we've studied about uh, His requirement about, about personal forgiveness, how we to forgive other people. We've learned how to replace negative attitudes with positive attitudes. We've learned how to, to practice love and respect in our marriage. Have all that knowledge. Our children, our youth have also learned and they've been discipled with knowledge. But here's a question. Are you being or have you been transformed? Are you, are you becoming uh, a transformed disciple of Jesus Christ? Friend, listen, it's more than just informational. It's about obedience. It is... is do you see Jesus Christ as your Lord or you see Him as a rabbi slash teacher? Is He your Lord? Are you willing to obey what you've learned over the years perhaps? And so you have the Great Commission. It's an evangelistic commission and then it's a transformational discipleship. We're to be transformed in our lives. Now the question I jotted down is why is all of this about transformational discipleship important? Why is it important that I obey what Christ commands? Well, let me just say this. There is a curse of knowledge. Look, if you will, at Matthew chapter 11. Turn back, and I'm almost finished. Matthew chapter 11. As we look at this curse of knowledge, Matthew, someone said years ago, Baptists know more than they're doing now. That's a serious statement. Matthew chapter 11, look at verse 20. Matthew 11, verse 20. Then began he, speaking of Jesus, to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Jerusalem! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And what does all that mean? Well, you had three locations mentioned here. You have, you have Jesus doing mighty works in his hometown, really, it was... Uh, his uh, ministry headquarters, Capernaum. You had Capernaum, you had Chorazin, you had Bethsaida, and they formed a triangle. It's referred to by most scholars as the evangelical or the evangelistic triangle. Just formed a triangle. And Jesus performed his miracles within that triangle. He selected his disciples within that triangle. He preached his greatest sermons within that triangle. And the people in that triangle had heard a lot from Jesus, had heard him teach, had heard him give different direct, uh, instructions in regards to being the Christian, being who God would expect them to be. And they were in that re region, and because of that, they were very religious. It's kind of like us being in the Bible Belt. 
then Jesus all of a sudden just rocks their world, the world of Tyre and Sodom. He said, listen, Tyre and Sodom would have repented, but you know the truth and you won't repent. Look at verse 21. Woe unto Chorazin, woe unto Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And because of your unrepentance, with all of your knowledge, living in this triangle where I did my ministry, where I did the miracles, where I did the preaching, and you have all of this knowledge, your fate will be worse in the end than Tyre and Sidon. It's kind of like Jesus walking in here today and saying this. You know how to forgive your neighbor, but you won't. You know how to change your negative attitudes, but you won't. You know how to have love and respect in your marriage, but you don't. And those of you who refuse to repent, judgment will be more bearable than the old drunk on Bourbon Street. You see, the knowledge that we have as Christians today He says, having that knowledge is more serious. Having the knowledge and not obeying the knowledge is worse than not having the knowledge at all. The knowledge without repentance is just as wicked as that bland, sinful living of that person on Bourbon Street. So Jesus did not rebuke their knowledge. He rebuked their lack of repentance. For they knew to repent and they refused. So just remember this. Knowledge of Christ will either condemn us or it will change us. Knowledge makes us accountable because it puts us in a position where we have to respond. I will obey God's word or I will not obey God's word. So the Great Commission is evangelistic. We reach people. Then we teach people, and we teach them to be transformable disciples. Would you bow your heads just a moment for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I come to you, and I thank you for a time that we've had just to focus upon this great commission. We've looked at it in different ways over the years. And, and Father, thanks for showing me. Thank you, Lord, for showing me that there's a difference in in being a disciple and a transformed disciple. All of us, Father, are disciples. We've had our teachers, our trainers. We've served as apprentices. We've served, we've had our disciples, but you're the only one that can transform a heart of a person. And so today I pray for each person that's here. And I pray for the Christian here. And Lord, who's been disobedient to the things that they have learned. And you tell us in your word to teach them to observe, to teach them to obey all things that you have commanded. And I pray, Father, that you've spoken to us this morning. 
And Lord, that we're in the process of being a transformed disciple. Our lives are being changed. Tell us in your word that when we accept you as Lord and Savior of our life, that we become a new creature, a new creation. And so, Father, we pray that we'll be serious about your word. And Lord, one day, when we stand before you, Father, we can stand with a, with a true heart in that we have tried to obey what you've commanded us to do. I thank you for this time that we've had together, and we pray now that you'll speak to the hearts of all of us here this morning. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.